0: This episode of The Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage. From setting up a personal checking account, to refinancing household debt, to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need. Because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. You're
1: listening to... Whoa!
0: Papa. and hey everyone welcome back to the good pop culture club it is the middle of november we are barreling right into the third week third is it week three of um this limbo that it's we're it's just an
1: eternal tuesday marvin i don't know it just feels still like election week because technically we st-
2: no one's conceded yet yeah i mean we didn't expect it right like <laughs> i didn't
0: we're in political limbo we're approaching america's is this the second wave technically or is it like third or fourth wave by this point like, where are we with covid
1: i think it's just been one giant tsunami wave yes. that has never stopped but we're just kind of like it's cool like if i drown i'll drown it's fine
0: uh, well we're here once again to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our week joining us as always, professional, anxious Asian American, just Ju.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: And also professional culture editor Han Wen.
2: Hi.
0: And um I realized the last like 10 episodes I have been introducing myself. Um my name is Marvin Yeah. I'm also one of your hosts.
1: I you guess. need no introduction, Marvin. <laughs> you are ma- you should be like Madonna, like one name, like Marvin.
2: I like
0: that. There are other more famous Marvins. Marvins is... Gay. Okay. <laughs> Top of the list.
1: In the podcast sphere, though.
0: Mm,
1: I don't know. Marvin of the podcast. Can you be like... <laughs> we can be Marvin fancy. Marvin Vaughn be like, podcast is my... Marvin Vaughn name. podcast. I like it. I like it. That's MVP.
0: <laughs> Ooh, we
1: like it. That's, that's your brand.
0: This episode, we're going to be talking about the personal history of David Copperfield, the Armando and Um, directed adaptation of the classic Dickensian novel um, starring one of our favorites, Dev Patel, as the titular uh, David Copperfield. I'm very excited this movie finally came out because we've been talking about watching this for, I want to say months, because I saw it almost a year ago, over a year ago at this point. Um, And you two have just recently watched it this past weekend.
1: We get it, Marvin. You're cooler than us, okay? Um, but it was I was very you know, this is one of those movies where I really wish I could have watched it with friends and mm-hmm. like we could've squealed together. There's, there was I made an auditory gasp <laughs> um in this movie when little Def Patel became big Def Patel and I went, Oh, <gasps> And I was like, oh, man, I I know if I had been in a theater full of people, I would not have been the only one. (laughs) And I miss that kind of, like, you know, communal experience.
0: We'll talk more about um, our experiences with the film after the break. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through our week. Uh, Starting with uh, with Han, what's popping?
2: Okay, so... I finally for my birthday, I received an Apple TV that is the d- device that um, so and the reason why I'm very excited about this is I am a Roku person and I still am devoted to my Roku um, and I use that still for my all my mainstreaming. However, as a TV slash movie um, reporter, I get a lot of my screeners on um, a site called screeners.com. And this is like. All of my screeners, like all of my Amazon screeners, all of my Hulu screeners, all of my like from all these networks. And so either I just I just have to watch it on my laptop or I would have to cast to my TV or use a really long HDMI cable. And I refuse to do that. However, there is one good thing you can do is if you have an Apple TV device, you can actually have it on your app. So now I have an Apple TV device. I can watch all my screeners on my TV. Um, instead of my laptop, so it feels more like fun versus work. Um, That also means I can also watch Apple TV Plus screeners on there. And that is what I did this most recent weekend. Um, I watched Dickinson, and uh, I had already seen the first like four episodes as screeners when Apple TV Plus, the streaming service, uh, debuted last year. But I, they didn't give us all the episodes um, until after the premiere, and then so I didn't watch them. So I finished up the season, and basically, Apple uh, Dickinson is a comedy series that takes the story of Emily Dickinson, the American poet who was like a shut-in, never got married, um, and wrote thousands and thousands and thousands of poems, um, a lot of them about death, and um. And just, you know, kind of like died alone. She's she's just kind of known as this sort of like shadowy figure who did. <laughs> Jess, I'm not going to lie, say Han,
1: That sounds great right now. That yeah. sounds like vibes. <laughs> like I want to I mean, I mean, I'm doing all that without the cool poetry part.
2: Right. And so here's the thing, though. It stars Haley Steinfeld, who, you know, was in Edge of 17 and a bunch of other stuff. And it's so hipped up um, and contemporized, even though it's still set in that period. So, there's definitely slang that's contemporary. It's a uh, semi color conscious casting. Basically, all the main characters are going to be white, but all the other, you know, supporting characters can be. And there is an Asian. Well, um, Haley's, Haley's Asian. Steinfeld We're going to claim is. her. Yeah. Oh, that's, We're going to claim you, her. You are correct. You are correct. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, and, uh, and and so, and, and the soundtrack is amazing. Um, it's really just laugh out loud funny but then also there are a few sneaky funny moments um even though jane, jane krakowski plays her mom she's probably the least funny character except if you want to think of it as dark humor because there's a um, it's very feminist because of course you know she's a writer a female writer who didn't get published for real until after her death um she struggles a lot with uh her against her father who's a politician who doesn't you know who supported her creativity until, of course you know, he started running for office and it's like, hey, I can't have you, you know, doing this in public because now, you know, that reflects badly on me. Oh, and it's really funny because there are contemporary sort of like cameos. So at one point she is like upset with the uh, railroad tracks being um, coming through her yard because she doesn't want her favorite tree to be torn down. So she goes to see henry david thoreau because she read walden and she's like i need you to help me and henry david thoreau played by john mulaney uh ends up oh being, my god it's That's an amazing, amazing yes i i feel bad for ruining the surprise but still you're still gonna love it because he's also not as cool as henry david thoreau is but, uh, you know uh, drawn to be. So um, same with Louisa May Alcott. She's not as cool as, you know, we we make her out to be in history. And then who is as cool as we make him out to be is Wiz Khalifa, who plays Death. Um, and so he runs up in his carriage, like occasionally, and then she gets in the carriage with him and talks to Death. This um, is amazing. pretty good, actually. It's yeah. fantastic. There is one Asian, um, besides Hayley Steinfeld, um, and he plays Japanese. And he talks about being Japanese all the time, which is actually kind of hilarious. Um, he's a supporting friend character. Um, but yeah, I, I found it hilarious. I, I I really love it. It was only 10 episodes. However, we did just recently find out there's going to be a season two. So I'm very excited about that.
1: I was once told by an English teacher in high school that you can read every single Emily Dickinson poem to the tune of Gilligan's Island Theme. And since that day, guess what I do every time I read an Emily Dickinson poem.
2: Uh, this is very correct. They they have a uh, she really loves her um dashes her m dashes, so it definitely gives you some nice pauses. She capitalizes uh randomly <laughs> from what I can tell. Um, but she uh they also it's interesting because they have a device where they use some of her poems to kind of play out what. Going on in the episode, but then they also have this like sort of like l- words on fire across the screen while she's like reciting it. Uh so it's really cool. I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed it. I think you should check it out. Yeah. I definitely will. Oh my god. Oh, 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 and I totally forgot. Uh sort of leading into our um actual main topic, but uh sort of on the side is uh because it's also contemporary with Charles Dickens, um, some of the characters uh are very excited to read the next chapter of bleak house and so it's kind of like their big uh serialized television so they're like oh my god don't tell me and so they're yelling spoilers and uh bleak house just like uh david copperfield was released in serial form so i just thought that was a kind of a cool thing to think about yeah so what's popping with you jess I am not that classy.
1: I've been watching more reality TV shows. So HBO Max dropped a new show this past week called Full Bloom. It is a flower making competition, not to be c- confused with the big flower fight, which is, I believe on Netflix and is like a British co-production, like in the vein of a uh, great British bake-off. But Full Bloom is a, um, uh, it's an American competition, but like, it's still, like, pretty nice, but you can tell it's an American competition because all the contestants are unnecessarily hot. <laughs> like, no pensioners here, um, you know, they're, like, you know, there's, there's, like, they're just, like, all really hot. There's some Asian contestants or black contestants, and, like, everyone's just, like, really hot and, like, kind of, like, gender fluid in their presentation. I'm, like, I'm, I'm kind of into this, you know? And, like, everyone wears cool hats. It's very L.A., And the flowers, obviously beautiful. But the star of the show is Maurice Bloom, one of the judges, who is also the owner of Bloom and Plume, the coffee shop slash forestry slash gallery in L.A. Echo Park. And he also did all the flowers for Beyonce's Black Is King. And he is so fun. He's kind of like the. He's okay, so he's like kind of like the critical judge, but like he brings a lot of great energy. There's the a female judge named eliza cronin and she she cries a lot so we we also love that and there's like an older british gentleman who like did flowers for the royal family so it's like a very like nice swath of like floral list florist personalities and yeah you can also tell it's an american because their like first challenge was this like very big project it was a group project but still it was a very big project like on this ranch in simi valley and i'm like oh this is like this would have been like the British show's finale, but like you starting off with episode one. So I'm very excited to, you know, follow this. I think they're releasing it week by week. Ooh. So I can't binge, which is very upsetting because I have no self control and I like to watch everything at once.
2: But yeah, I would highly recommend you check it out. Um, do you think that this kind of fulfills your need for, let's say great British bake off sort of weekly?
0: Well, I mean, how, how messy is uh, how messy are the contestants? Like, are they drama? They're not
2: or? messy. They're not
1: messy. They're hot, but they're not messy. <laughs> um, they're they're all very talented because you know it's not fun. Usually, sometimes messiness comes from miscasting, like someone's not very good, and so you can because you cast them for the drama, and that's kind of why I like the vein of these competition shows because they, at the end of it, they are casting people who are very skilled at the specific talent they're judging. And the drama comes from like, will I be able to finish this like beautiful project? Mm. It's like artistic tension. It's not like people being mean to each other tension. And you know, that's not fun to watch, but it's like, oh no, like the geraniums are like wilting <laughs> in this heat. Oh no, like that's, that is doable. And at the end of the day, like everyone is like, it's still prettier than anything I could do, you know? And like, it's just very like, it's like all for the creation of beauty, which. <laughs> We could all use a little more beauty in this world right now. Yeah, so
0: it's like a combination, a perfect combination of competence porn and eye candy. Poor yes,
1: just. but but again, they're just ridiculously like cute, hot people. And I like had this whole revelation last night where I was like, man, the perfect life is if you are hot, kind and dumb. Like if you can live <laughs> in that intersection, like life would just be so lovely.
2: Yes. Ignorance is bliss. Yes, I feel like I'm none of those three
1: things. So, <laughs> hey, it's hot, a hard right? life, guys. Thank you, thank you. But you know, like not like it's. I'm like a I'm like a San Francisco hot. I'm not an LA hot.
2: <laughs> I'm like a Texas hot. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an anywhere but LA and New York hot. Yeah. But you know, being in you know media adjacent, you're just like, oh cool. You're like a on, Okay, I'm like every time I have to take a picture next to Kelly, who. Who is like, I yeah. won't, you know, she's, she's pretty honest about her age. She's very upfront about her. She's like over 50. And every time I have to take a picture next to Ms. Kelly, who, who's also just the loveliest person, which is like not fair. Like you can't be that hot and like mm-hmm. a good person.
2: I just feel like I'm meant to be like a publicist and just wear black and be on the side. Like you
0: you can just block Freaking
2: out, out well, about your yeah. client. Doing I'm on dumb the shit. other <laughs>
0: side of the, the uh, stanchions. I'm not even on the red carpet.
2: You're, <laughs> you're behind this you're behind the step I'm and the, repeat
0: no i'm the one like directing traffic that's where i usually <laughs> right? am at the red carpet i'm
1: the things. one checking people in marvin yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i've been on the red carpet as far as interviewing people and so that's not glamorous either <laughs> but they make you like get dressed up right because if, you have to if, if it's a very like, fancy carpet, carpet yeah, if it's a very fancy red carpet like the Emmys or the Oscars, they require you to wear um, red carpet attire because the you can get caught on um, camera all the time. However, the lower ones like just vibes, man, just a premiere of something. I've gotten around. I've gotten away with just wearing like normal stuff.
0: This is why I like Sundance because you can just get away with just wearing. You have just, to bundle like, up. Whatever.
2: It's because it's so cold, but you can still be stylish. I don't know. Once you've trekked up like Main Street and it's been like slushy and you're just I, sweaty, you're like, I give up. This is still my dream. I haven't done Sundance yet. And I think I'm going to have to wait at least a year before. But <sighs> Marvin, what's popping with you?
0: Huh. So, as we all know, Thanksgiving is coming up. And that also brings the annual um, consumerist holiday we know as Black Friday slash Cyber Monday. So I've been looking at, um, I've been strategizing with my with my partner to try to figure out what we're going to do this year. Because usually our our tradition is to have Thanksgiving dinner, then go out to like the Cerritos Mall or something, and like stock up on jeans for the rest of the year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but this year that's not going to happen because I mean, are the malls going to be? But the malls are probably going to be open, but you don't, especially in OC. But I don't want to be there. Hmm. But um, I've been looking at deals because I'm looking to upgrade my kitchen. Appliance setup, uh, and finally, I'm I'm deciding between getting either an air fryer or Insta Pot.
2: So I have thoughts about this <laughs> uh, because I have certain regrets. Like number one regret is <laughs> I didn't wait long enough until the Star Wars Instant Pot came out. Um, but uh, and there are various designs, um, but it, it depends because if you get a regular Instant Pot, you can also buy the air fryer topper, which is a new a lid that converts it into an air fryer. So you kind of can use, just have one footprint and have two devices in one. It really depends if that's what you want to do, because um, the nice thing about that is all of your things that you put inside your instant pot for cooking, you can still use for the air fryer. Um, that is something that I didn't have because my mom wanted me to buy an air fryer i got a small one because i'm one person and i realized that it's very small (laughs) and i don't have anything to that fit in there and so i i kind of regret having two devices now um however you know since you are probably going to be cooking for more than one person i don't think you'll ever like have too small of an air fryer i assume you're going to get a decent sized one um i do have to say I do have to say, both of those devices helped me out during the summer when it was super hot, and I could use those instead of my oven and or stovetop.
1: I am very anti-Instapot. Pot. Oh. <laughs> come out of the gate, guns a I hate the Instapot. I refuse to own one. I know many people who have it, and I just think that there is... For me, who like really likes to cook, there is nothing I think an Instabot can do better than any other device, like <laughs> than the singular device or it, like a pot, just a pot. Yeah. I,
2: I, I do. I do in some ways agree that if you are a very normal cooker, then you there is like it took me a year and a half to open my Instant Pot because I didn't see the point, especially since I live alone. Um, I finally started using it because of the pandemic. And there are certain things I know it's helpful to do with it uh but like it's for example like when i was cooking duck um i i knew just once i said it that it would be like done and i wouldn't have to think about it being cooked through and that type of stuff so there are certain things like that you know when i want to make sure like a, a stew is done whatever but i agree like most of the time it is faster even for me to just do it on my stovetop Really, I am very pro air fryer. Though I just
1: got <laughs> mine yesterday, I got a three core, and it is wonderful. Um, I was, my boyfriend had one, and I used it like every single day in Florida. The best thing about the air fryer, and I will like, please put this on my gravestone. You can reheat pancakes, and they taste better after you air fried them than they even do in the
2: restaurant. And pancakes is one of the things that does not travel well. It's, wow. I, I do have to say the reheating properties for certain things is just so great because that I've definitely, since I've gotten my air fryer, bought a lot more um, katsu uh, chicken. Uh-huh. Um And because I don't want to, you know, fire up my full oven just to reheat it. And this one crisps up really nicely. It also means that I finally gave in and got myself. Uh, like uh, a whole bag of tater tots. Um, Oh my God, I bought tater tots (laughs) too as my (laughs) trial Uh, Yes, and chicken nuggets. And you can do both in there. And it's just like, it's so fun to eat like this school food basically. And I fancied it up with like truffle ketchup and then I eat it with chopsticks. So it's kind of like all the best things. Um,
0: Yeah, I've I've consulted with several people and the um, air fryer seems to be the most... um, seems to have the most utility out of the possible appliances to get. Um, I didn't realize it was so versatile.
2: Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I still use it for very basic things. But the bigger your air fryer, the more versatile it's going to be. Because mm. um, I think they have air fryers that look like toaster ovens. And then that probably gives you more room. Uh-huh. Um, mine is very small. So... It's really only used for smaller things. But um, don't
1: get the ones that look like an air fryer. Like, I like I'm a big fan of like oh, yeah. test kitchen and everything. So basically an air fryer an air fryer in like de facto works just as an oven. It's the same thing as if you heated your oven to a very yeah. high temperature and baked things on a wire rack, but it's just so much faster, contained, and doesn't make a mess. And it doesn't, yeah. you know, it's much less energy. And it is like anything frozen. Don't even try to make fresh food. Mm-hmm. Like don't get fancy with it. And buy frozen shit. Mm-hmm. My cousin, who is like the one who who spread the gospel of the air fryer to me, <laughs> she's like, this is what I do. I buy in bulk at Wingstop. And then I freeze the ones mm-hmm. I don't eat. And I was just like, you're so smart. Mm-hmm. Please teach me your ways. I was like, "The whole, it's a whole new world.
2: Yeah. I think the reason why my mom got it for me, uh, was because she gave me a wings recipe and she's like for your air fryer i'm like i don't have one and then a check came in the mail like snail mail because that's my mom um but and i was like you know i can afford my own air fryer but thanks mom um but i i still plan on doing this i just haven't yet is make a bunch of egg rolls um, and oh my God. then freeze them. And then I can have yes. egg rolls anytime I want, because that's something I miss. It's usually when I um travel home to Texas, I cook with my mom and my aunt. And usually that requires like, you know, a lot of assembly. So egg rolls is something we do a lot because they know that I can like pack it back with me and I smuggle it in my luggage. Um, <laughs> But yeah I, yeah, I wasn't able to do it this year.
0: I, I think I am leaning towards the air. I'm, I'm excited about not having to deal with the oil left after frying.
1: Oh, yeah. That's great. And then, like, you can wash the whole thing. It's not like a, It's like... You could wash the whole basket. It's a drawer. It's not like... Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a delicate thing. I have some pretty delicate equipment. Like, have you guys ever tried to clean a waffle iron? It is... Oh, yeah. Just... You, you can't. I literally <laughs> had to disassemble my entire waffle iron, and then now it doesn't close properly. But it's fine. It still works. You, you totally you, gonna burn the house down one day, but...
2: You can still use oil if you want a little bit of extra crispiness, but I would just say just buy the spray oil. Yeah. So that way it's still light.
1: Yeah. And then like, and like toss it. It's great. Yeah. Marvin, get an air fryer. <laughs> get an air fryer is what the TLDR yeah. is. Yeah.
2: I will tell you, I have used my Instant Pot many times because, um, it's nice to, oh, my God, I have like these 20 weird things that, that are leftovers. I'm just going to make a soup and not think about it. You could also make a soup in a pot. No, no, I totally agree. <laughs> but I, I have to say when it comes to like throwing in frozen meat and other things like that of different temperatures, um, I can do it for a lesser time and then also know it will be cooked and I don't have to guess as much. Um, and also it makes... A better soup in a shorter period of time. So if I know I'm gonna need to like leave the house within like two hours, then I can do it instant pot. But I don't know if I would have been able to concentrate that flavor for um stove like stovetop Okay,
1: that's fair, but I do think it's bullshit that the instant pot touts like one of its like multi things is like a yogurt maker. Like who the fuck makes their own yogurt? I mean, me one person who oh, makes their
2: own yogurt, my friend. It would be me. My friend does. Okay, but was she uh, making her
1: y- own yogurt before? I can't remember, but the she's... The pot?
2: She... I don't know if she did or not, but maybe she ate a lot of yogurt, and maybe that's the difference, is, like, making your own makes you more aware. I feel like I would not trust
0: the yogurt I would make on my own. (laughs) I feel like there's something.
2: I I was curious about making yogurt, not because I eat yogurt, but because I wanted to use yogurt as an ingredient to cook Mm. with. But then I was like, that's too many steps.
1: Guess what you can buy in the store for a (laughs) dollar a
2: pack or even less if you
1: buy the big cans. Yeah.
2: Well, I noticed (laughs) I never finished yogurt when I bought the big one and then I didn't like the small ones either. So I just don't eat that much yogurt yogurt um but i have done the egg cups um in my instant pot and so that's fun um to do again you can do it just in your oven if you want to bake them instead of steam them i would want to try um, and you can do this in your rice cooker but you can make one of those japanese cakes in your instant pot because it's a steamer basically so i thought i would try that in there because it's bigger than my rice cooker um but yeah, no, I agree. Like it, if you had to choose between the two, go with the air fryer. Um, I happen just to just have both, and I have found it kind of helpful. Depending, I just once was served an Insta
1: Pot risotto that was like so lackluster. I was oh. so offended.
2: Yeah, you you <laughs> it's have not to, real risotto. <laughs> you have to make your choice about like which thing you're gonna use t- for the texture you want.
0: All right, it's decided. I'm looking this Black Friday. I'm looking for an air fryer.
1: I will keep an eye out for you, Marvin, as well. (laughs) You should have told... We should have had this conversation 24 hours ago because legitimately Target was having, like, this mega sale on air fryers yesterday.
0: I missed out. I chose
1: mine by color.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's what's popping. When we come back, we're talking all about the new Death Patel movie, uh, The Personal History of David Copperfield. Dig around.
2: So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we've got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts.
0: Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, this past week the movie that we've been waiting to talk about for the last year has finally come out um, streaming everywhere. It was in theaters earlier last month, I want to say, but the film is The Personal History of David Copperfield, um, directed by Armando Inucci, um, starring a murderous row of brilliant British actors of all colors um, and starring the one and only Dev Patel. Han, Jess, What did you think about this film?
1: I love him. I love him so much. He's just so good at being earnest. Like, Dev Patel has this earnest, welcoming nature where you always want to root for him, but he's never the victim, even if he is the victim. So it's a very, like, lovely, like, energy to root for, right? And I think that's kind of his the roles he's been taking, right? Like, so, you know, between like slum dog, his big ones were like slum dog, lion, um, you know, like mm. just characters who have had like the shit of the world thrown at them, but has like innate goodness, has kept up that persistence and optimism and like uses their wits charm and like to get out of the situation. So like that is, he's, this is a perfect role for him. I totally understand why, um, how do you say Inucci Inuchi? Like cast him for this. He is one hundred P one hundred P correct.
0: <laughs> I think what was great about this film is you, you have all these characters like like Death Patel, like Benedict Wong, um, playing characters that they normally or even like maybe five years ago wouldn't have been able to play at all because of um the um I guess you would call this color conscious casting or color blind casting. This is color color blind, right?
2: Is um I mean you can go either way. I think the reason why we say conscious these days is because they consciously made sure that it actually does reflect uh, a white swath versus in the past when they said colorblind it was still almost like an excuse for um them still using yeah. you know the white actors at And know. I'm
0: sure it's you know also ableist <laughs> language. So apologies for that. But yeah, like you have like in this story you have like death patel playing david copperfield which is the i guess is he supposed to be dickens in the story like
2: so yeah so dickens when he wrote david copperfield um he it is slightly autobiographical for certain um or at least many of the things in his life inspired what some of the characters went through so he this is the story that's like the dearest to his heart um for sure and a lot of people you know there's it's very clear like the things that are inspired by his own life for example macabre in uh debtor's prison um and things like that so for sure yeah
0: yeah personally i've never read a dickens anything i've seen christmas carol (laughs) adapted a few times but i've never read a dickens so i don't actually know what his prose sounds like or how his how his stories go
2: i mean
1: it's very (laughs) long-winded he was paid by the word so you know when (laughs) When Han was talking about the whole bleaker street, I was like, yeah, like he serial he was so serious. he was serialized. So you know, a chapter would come out each week in whatever publication. And he got paid by the word, and you can tell. <laughs> uh
2: you never read like Tale of Two Cities or Um Great no. Expectations? Um, I've read quite a few Dickens and um i think that might be one of the reasons why like this this movie i really did enjoy but it is very episodic in feel because it was a serialized story so um it it, i i feel like sometimes you know i paused it and just did other stuff and then came back to it because it wasn't propulsive enough for me however something that is very much a trademark of dickens is the uh, the names that are very um Fun to listen to, but often also very descriptive of the person, um, like Murdstone. And then when he tells it, it's Murderstone, like, hmm. So, uh, yeah, and Uriah Heap is the most unctuous, like, you know, it's so good, it's such a great name. Um, so yeah, I, I really, and Peggotty, like, how, how friendly is that name? Um, so it, that, that's very typical. Um, the this was a lot, yeah, yeah, I mean.
0: <laughs> Armando Anucci, the director, is known for his political satire, right? In the Loop, Veep, um, Death of Stalin. I was actually taken by surprise. Like, so I came in this movie. I watched this at TIFF last year at the Prince of Wales Theater, so giant like auditorium. And I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting something that was so like wholesome, you know, <laughs> coming from mm. Armando because he's known for his sharp wit. Yeah, it wasn't as sharp, but it was still very like.
2: I mean, it w- it. <laughs> I think it was this was aided, of course, by the actors, the sharpness, because they made sure that the language was very clear of what was happening. So you got all the levels that were meant the the jokes, the actual kind of like winks at what they're actually saying um, and what they're criticizing. Um, There it's it's I, I thought it was just very clever. But also it's like, you know, you you've like you said, you've known Dickens through other adaptations like Oliver Twist. So you know, there's a lot of hunger everywhere, and there's a lot of like desperation, and so that was here in this, but it felt light still. Um, I never, I mean, of course, we know the story, or at least trusted in the story, so you weren't despair that much. You know, you shook your fist a few times, um, at people, but <laughs> it was still very lighthearted, and yeah, I, I just, I found that very fun for to see that sort of cheekiness.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell that.
1: Yeah, I think
2: I do think it goes back to source
1: material because Dickens, for like all the like shitty situations he puts his characters in, as a critique of like Victorian industrial London and all like the perils of like not having a social safety net. Like his heroes ultimately triumph, right? Um, even through all the like terrible things they're put through, and I, I was just like, and then I think that combined with the art direction, I was like, this is a very <laughs> colorful film, which is not typically what i think of when i think victorian Dirty. england even though i do think it was more colorful than we imagine it and so i was just like like with that beautiful like mm-hmm. boat house that he lives with as Peggotty's family and they're all like poor but i was like this is some chic shit like i'm digging Can this I color scheme
2: all of the waistcoats just it's just a parade of waistcoats are you pro I am waistcoat? I totally pro waistcoat. But here especially, they actually like had fun with the colors. Um, and and not just with his rich friend, uh, Steerforth, but David got to wear a lot of colorful ones too, which I was very excited about um, because, you know, normally that would probably be richer people, but it kind of went with the palette of this, uh, this show or this movie.
0: Well, I mean, the story is about his like, yeah,
2: I really like the uh, Tilda Swinton's. Uh,
0: well, oh, the movie is sorry. about his like rise and fall and rise and fall again and rise through Victorian. I don't even, it's not even high society, it's just society in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really fun to see him fluctuate between dirty Death Patel and like dressed up Death Patel. Jess, do you have a preference?
1: Oh, I'll take dirty Dev Patel any day. He's just cut he's a man who just like needs a little dirt, needs a little beard, you know, like a little little like flowy, scraggly hair. Um I mean, but they're both good, but if I had to choose, I would I would take dirty <laughs> Dev Patel any
2: day into my room. My heart as long as he has a waistcoat, I don't care. Dirty, clean, whatever. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Han. So if if in
1: 2021 the waistcoat for men's fashion came back, are you still pro <laughs> oh, waistcoat? Oh, totally. That,
2: the thing is, especially if they took it seriously, um, I'm v- forever sad that my three-piece men's suit that I used to be able to wear, but now I'm too fat for, and eventually I gave it away, um, it, it, I no longer have because I used to wear it with just the waistcoat Um Sometimes a shirt underneath, and then the pants matching. And it was gray pinstripe. It was so great; I oh, loved wow. it so much. Um, and so I kind of miss that sort of smart tailoring, but with less of a, uh, stuffy jacket feel. Um, <laughs> and uh, hey, and little David also wore. I, I have to say, I, I think I see two names here on IMDb who played little David Copperfield, but I have to very much like shake the hand of the middle one, who I thought was fantastic. Um very funny. And there were times where he like would mock or 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 mimic the language of the uh the dialect of the other characters. And it was so good. So good. But yes, he also wore a waistcoat.
0: I remember um just basking in the fact that like Benedict Wong got to play like just this over-the-top like caricature
2: yeah i love his comedic turn here i mean we've seen him do so much and of course he can do anything but it's just such a bright funny performance um even as a supporting character and i think i was making this point before but it's uh it's uh, one of the benefits i think of color conscious casting especially when it comes to these period dramas or comedies or whatever period pieces is that a lot of times I, these names kind of blur together for me. And so before this, I probably would have forgotten like Macabre versus Wickfield versus, you know, all these other people. And here there's no way I would like mix up, um, uh, Peter Capaldi's macabre, uh, the impecunious uh, guy who plays, you know, the accordion with Wickfield who, you know, runs a, I don't know, a, a state firm or something and then is also very fond of the tipple. So, yeah, <laughs> I, it's just like it, visually it was just so great. Um, and and I, he just seems so happy playing it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think. Yeah, Benedict
2: Wong has like good comedic
1: chops. Um, I know him from the as like the Necromancer <laughs> right, from *Tune the Shadows*. He has like a cameo as it's so good. Um, and uh, it's surprising a lot of these people who I used to more usually see as serious actors—they're all very, very funny and very charming and very warm. It's you no know, Peter Capaldi to me is going to be the grumpy Eleventh Doctor, and uh, sorry, not Eleventh, the Twelfth technically 13 yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a whole thing about the secret doctor that no one knew about but, but but i mean it's it's yeah so like to to see him kind of playing like this like more spry friendly um gentleman who like is like very worried about and rightfully worried about going to debtor's prison but also like once it happened is like kind of chill about it
0: yeah i mean you have tilda swinton playing it's, it's just, great you have tilda swinton play, like flexing her comedic chops as well
1: oh but we knew yeah, it's very kind of similar to her um, Snowpiercer role, I felt. That kind of, like, eccentric... Um, wait, do we ever figure out, like, what's her deal? Like, why
0: does she
2: hate the donkey so much? I uh, mean, was I that don't... a thing
0: in the Dickens novel?
2: Yes, it was. And and I don't remember if it was explained. It was so long ago since I read it. But, I mean, it's a, it's a long novel because it was serialized. So I'm sure there's a lot of shorthand that we don't get in the movie that might have been explained. But also most people were kind of you know eccentric in the books so yeah not a lot of backstory
0: i know some people will probably complain that it's not historically accurate or whatever but i really enjoyed the color consciousness of like they didn't even try to make it make sense you know you have a black woman who's the stern matriarch uh whose son is like a white guy um you have like benedict wong's daughter is agnes who's played by um
2: Rosalind Elazar, she's in yeah. um, Har- *Harlots*, which I also recommend. It's also, yeah. the, although that one they historically do cast it color consciously, <laughs> um, but it makes yeah. sense there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I like as a viewer, I was able to accept it really quickly, but I know some people have a problem with it. Just look, just look at the trailer, the comments of the tr- the comments for the trailer on YouTube, it- and it's it's a disaster in there. <laughs>
2: It's interesting because never yeah, read the comic. It's, it's interesting because in theater this happens often because they get, you know, the best actor hopefully for the role and they often even do switch out the person's race from when they're a child to an adult depending on who is the better singer or whoever uh, performer that they have, this doesn't always happen. Like, of course the theater is also still predominantly white, but of course, especially like local productions, you definitely see it mixing all the time. Um, And it's something that I've, I've heard a criticism for when it comes to the screen. And so I think when people are casting for the screen, they've tried to keep it, you know, white and they never thought even about breaking that rule until more like recently, last, you know, Besides Cinderella, of course, with Brandy, um, but you know, it's so yeah. I'm very happy that things like the Great and Dickinson and this are making this happen. This one especially, like you were saying, even um relatives aren't necessarily cast for a logical, you know, um, yeah, uh, reasoning.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I I don't think like. Yeah, and it honestly wasn't that confusing in my opinion, right?
1: (laughs) No, I agree with Han. I think it was actually more clear. Like, yes, like, if you're going to cast a bunch of, like, random, like, old white men of a certain age and they're not, like, Hugh Laurie or Peter Capaldi, I was like, oh, wait, where is he now? And, you know, I also speak as someone nestled at the teat of the color-conscious cast at Cinderella (laughs) Musical, which is, like, to this day my favorite movie ever made like on any medium it's just like you know what we've believed so much other dumb shit in movies okay Okay, so get over it, you
2: racist <laughs> bastards, and just watch the film and enjoy the talented people on screen. Uh, it was interesting because when we were talking about Cinderella, like, I can always bring up my old roommate who is now a conservative judge in Texas. And um, and when Brand, uh, Brandy Cinderella, I'm going to call it Brandy Cinderella, came out, I remember her complaining and was like, well, why do we have, a, have to always have a black version of something? And I just looked at her. I was like, first of all, it's not all black there's an asian as the prince uh there's jason alexander but then also i was like also why not i was like we have all these white versions of things and then she just shut up but it, it's like it like she'll say something like that to me and like yeah i i don't know what she was thinking but it was i was also she complained about well the, you're the person
0: of color friend so you're supposed to you know
2: this was this was early early <laughs> on when i lived in la and she was my uh college roommate and we both moved here together i did not know about her leanings until later um and then uh we never talked politics when we were in college and then um she also complained about an annie the version of annie that had Audra mcdonald in it and she was upset with that because she was like that would never happen she wouldn't get together with daddy warbucks who was white she's like and i was just like are you fucking kidding me and that's when i also just told her about You know, in the theater, you cast whoever's best and no one complains. So,
0: yeah, I remember at the TIFF screening I went to, it was the um, world premiere of David Copperfield. And during the Q&A, someone actually stood up and asked the question about, um, I, I, I forget how it was phrased, but he was questioning their choice of like casting a black woman as the mother of a white man and whether or not they were worried about a confusing audiences and like not being accurate. And I remember Hugh Laurie answered with like, why the fuck would you ask that question?
2: <laughs> I love him. He at this point <laughs> gives no fucks and the older you are, I, the more I look forward to everyone being like that. Um, I have to say whenever I do any press tour and that now includes all our virtual press tours. It's always like a countdown to see which old person asked the most obvious, stupid question first. <laughs> and that would definitely be one of them. So it's like which old man is gonna ask the sexist question, which, you know, <laughs> old lady is gonna ask a sexist question often too? um, or 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 a question about race. Um, it's it's and and it's funny because they're the ones who actually they give no fucks. And so they're asking the questions the most. A lot of times the younger people, it's not that they don't want to ask questions, but they're usually uh, saving it for a one-on-one. So we're there in the main ballroom or virtual ballroom and listening to all these crazy you know, questions. And we're feeling horrible <laughs> because you know we try to block them. But at the same time, we don't want to use up our good questions and have them have access to our answers. So it's a weird thing when... You know, are they, uh, all journalists? These are like, all these are journalists, journalists asking the dumbass yeah, questions. All journalists. And most of the time we try, uh, so I'm talking usually about like the Television Critics Association. And the problem is, is that a lot of times these events that we hold, uh, Television Critics Association members are ranging in age from, let's say, decrepit to, um, young. <laughs> and so, and a lot of them, you know, print, <laughs> like I remember the person who kept using a, not even a micro cassette recorder, but a full-on regular size cassette recorder. Another person who uh, used shorthand. Um, and uh, there are a lot of gray hairs. There's a lot of canes. Uh, there's some walkers in the room sometimes. Um, and and but at the same time, like as embarrassing sometimes that is. Uh, oh, also there are people who are not accredited members who get accepted by networks to attend these things and so sometimes they ask the really dumb questions like what's your health care regime um, because they're working for some like freelance thingy whatever but uh, as I, I still have to say I appreciate some of those questions because it really shows why certain things are needed um, and so as long as you have a question that balances it out you know it's kind of like the whole thing when it came to fresh off the boat the first question being about chopsticks highly embarrassing but Showed exactly why we need this, you know, the show. (laughs) Oh, you're much more diplomatic than I I would be. That's a good thing. I have to laugh after Waller. I cry.
0: It's the best when someone asks a question, and you know, I'm usually sitting amongst the people of color, and we look around like, "What, what the hell just happened?" Oh, yeah.
1: Well, it's like it's there's difference. Like the thing is, these are journalists, right? They should, in theory, know a little better. Um, the Wild West is when you just have like oh, general God, yeah. Q&A and there's always a older white person, man or woman who um, wants to either ask a dumb question or make it about themselves And it is one of my greatest joys when I moderate is to just shut that (laughs) shit
2: down. Thank you for doing that. Because that's my other issue is a lot of moderators don't use their powers correctly. um, And sometimes they even make it about themselves.
0: (laughs) Oh.
1: I mean, if you have something to add, yes. But like, I remember I was talking to someone um, who was like nervous about moderating. And I was like, look, let me tell you a secret. It's really easy. When you're good at moderating, you don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you let the other yeah. people talk. This is also why, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to get so much shit for this.
2: You should never ask an actor to moderate. One, because they will talk so per-
1: much and make oh, it okay. about themselves.
2: 100%. Very I, rarely have I God. seen an actor do a good job um because they're also just being friendly and a lot of their questions aren't necessarily good. um And they don't necessarily give time because I do, as a moderator, sometimes try to shift it so that way other people have a chance to talk but the one of the worst and i'm not going to mention who the actor or actress is even though i love them was a horrible moderator to the point that i was slacking my friends during the whole thing just making jokes um. <laughs> Ooh, we could talk about this offline because <laughs> yeah, i also yeah. have names so to name. i, yeah. I agree
0: yeah I mean, I guess bringing it back to David Copperfield. I'm kind of sad that we didn't get a big premiere for this in theaters. Um, yeah. Like COVID ruined because this this would have been the year of Death Patel because we had we had David Copperfield oh. coming out that was supposed to come out in the spring, and then we also had the Green Knight, which is the um like the Arthurian legend of Sir Gawain, um, starring Death Patel, and like
1: and it's allegedly like yeah. pretty gay. Ooh. Like a movie's pretty gay,
0: which and like yes. just the promotional pictures, like Dev Patel rocking. Like we get a pretty clean shaven in Death Patel in in David Copperfield, mm-hmm. but he's rocking that like nightly beard in the Green Knight.
1: I, you know, every year is the year of Death <laughs> Patel in my heart and in my loins. Um, and you know, I'm just so happy for him. That's that's a glow. Yeah, up. I forget how <laughs> much of a
0: baby he was in um. Slumdog, Slumdog Millionaire.
1: Slumdog? Well, there was like this picture floating around of an old photo from a uh, skins <laughs> red carpet and it was Dev Patel, Nicholas Holt, and oh, Daniel boy. Kaluuya and I was like, "Holy shit, whoever cast that original season, like give this person an Oscar." Like that is that isn't they are all phenomenal and have had amazing careers, right? And they're still so
2: young. That's the crazy thing. So what I'm curious about, like, I'm so excited. I still want to see The Green Knight, but I would love to... I'm wondering, like, what other sort of known properties... I mean, okay, we don't always want to have to remake things, but, like, what's the next thing that you would love to see color-conscious casting, besides, of course, everything? Um,
0: I mean, do we want another Pride and Prejudice?
2: Well, that's what I was wondering. It's like, do I want a, a... Jane Austen, because I really liked this Emma. I was a little bit sad, um, even though I how much, despite how much I loved it, that there wasn't at least one person of color somehow squeezed in there. Um, but I totally would see a, a Jane Austen um, contemporary. I want to see. Yeah. I want to see. Well, like, have color you heard like, the
0: mystery taking place in like Victorian or mm, England? Like love it. Like a color conscious Sherlock or color conscious, like Poirot or Poirot, Poirot. But Poirot, like, yeah, period. yeah, period. Like, all like, those Vickers. Agatha like Christie, yeah.
2: Yeah, all those Vickers solving things, like have it all color conscious. That'd be fun. I I have to, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, did you guys hear the news that apparently the CW is yes. going to start adapting yes. to a bunch of Jane Austen stuff? And I was like, you yes. know what? I am for it. Give me sexy Jane Austen.
2: <laughs> um, well, yeah, well, it's contemporary. contemporary well, but wasn't Jane Austen already
0: sexy Jane Austen in her time?
2: No. Um, I mean, she was romantic Jane Austen, but there's definitely no sex going on
0: in her books. So um But her characters are all supposedly hot, right?
1: No. No. Liz- Lizzie is like very explicitly plain, and that's like one of her. She has fine I mean, eyes. So that was actually a big <laughs> thing. That was a big thing about the Pride and Prejudice, the 2005 version that just celebrated. Like, it's like, was it 15th anniversary? Oh, that is like it's so I love good. that version. Don't get me wrong. It's so good. It's the widest thing you'll ever see, but also very, very good. And I, I cannot, like, deny that. But, you know, like, there was a big controversy. Joe Wright didn't want to cast Keira Knightley because he's like, you're too beautiful. Like, Lizzie is very specifically plain, especially in comparison to Jane. Um, and that that is part of the story. But of course, she convinced her otherwise and I think she did a terrific job. But I think you do lose something when, you know, she is not supposed to be the traditional romantic heroine it, in any kind of Yeah, sense it's kind of the like word. when
2: you talk about little women and Joe is not supposed to be the pretty one, but then like when they had, let's say, the Winona writer, people are like, Why is she cast as Joe? <laughs> you know? And so um they It's almost like, well, you have to make sure everyone is way prettier, but that doesn't usually happen either, you know, in the casting. So I'm just, you, you always kind of figure that once they cast for, you know, the screen, that no one's going to look quite right, you know, like Peter Dinglage was better looking than Tyrion is in the book. So, (laughs) um, that's just what you get, but yeah. Yes. It's, it's the, it's the
1: movie tax. You just have to be, you just have to be hotter. Like movie hot is like, you know when, like, Rachel Lee Cook is, like, yeah. supposed to be the I ugly mean, one and glasses. she's all that? Oof. You're like, girl, <laughs> come on.
2: Yeah. Come on. So, you know, and I think when it comes to, like, Darcy, he was always smoldering, kind of brooding. But I can't remember if they said he w- was good looking or not. Um, But, yeah, I- I- a lot of it is hinges on their personality, too. I, I think Emma was good looking, but she obviously had her faults. Um, But, yeah, they were. Yeah, I'm not the biggest
1: like literature classic literature fan um you know y- you were talking about like emily dickinson and her like peers for like earlier and honestly like fuck the transcendentalist <laughs> i had to do a whole report on them i was like this is so boring this guy is taking a walk through the woods yeah, and I don't, to, love, like, I don't love i get something out the road. of this we've
2: made Alcott. It was definitely racist um and definitely didn't like Irish people. <laughs> um, and, Which back then was racist. Was also. racist exactly. Okay. And then um, so there, you know, that's why I like seeing these versions of them. I uh, mean, yes, they're all like obviously like problematic. But I will say, if
1: anyone can make, uh, there's this book I hate so much. Like I had to read it in in school, and it was the worst book I've ever read. It's called The Mayor <laughs> of Casterbridge. And if someone could make this a sexy, multiracial version, period, but period, Mm -hmm. it's in America though, but period, like accurate version of the mayor of Casterbridge and get me to care, I will give that man, I have no power or authority to do this. I will give that
2: man or woman an Oscar. I've read a lot of Thomas Hardy in my day, and that was definitely one of them, even though I don't remember it at all. But most of his stuff is pretty damn depressing. I think Tessa the Durbervilles is probably the worst one um uh, about a fallen woman <laughs> and uh yeah oh. yeah yeah good stuff
1: <laughs> i'm not a bronte fan There's, either like they're just way yeah. too depressing and like too much like man tears
2: for me i i also have to say even though i've read a lot of dickens i haven't seen a lot of adaptations that i care for and this is the first one where i really like the main character a lot and he made David Copperfield for me as far as the character goes. Like most of the time I'm kind of suffering through Dickens, um, unless of course it's you know, Muppets Christmas Carol or something <laughs> like that. And um, <laughs> I was about to say it's like you didn't enjoy or, the Muppets or Oliver and Co- Christmas Carol Oliver and with Company, Sir Michael Gaine. Totally Um, But when it's the people, I think there's something because Dickens writes such caricatures of people sometimes that it's hard to get the right um, performances out of them. That's why, besides Dev Patel being amazing, I do think a lot of the actors in this movie did an amazing job to actually, you know, bring forth the humanity of a lot of these characters who are kind of, you know, they're they're colorful But they're not always given the most dimension. And I think they did it with their performances. So, yeah, this is the David Copperfield that I've actually cared about. (laughs) Um, And it took him to do it. And I think that's something about color conscious casting is maybe it gives a different dimension um, in the way we as viewers um, or consumers see a story. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, none of us are British, but like
1: Dickens is like as British as it gets. Like he literally like formed the culture, like the way we think of Christmas mm-hmm. is like because of Dickens and Christmas Carol. So I'm just like, oh, like I kind of like this whole like I'm I'm thinking it's like the equivalent of like having a black person, black actor play George Washington or like or our Hamilton. founding fathers. Like, is this their version of getting Hamiltoned? Like, you know, these iconic British characters being played by people of color who mm-hmm. are British though, right? And like that's the statement. That's the inherent statement, right? Like they're not white, mm-hmm. but they're British. So get over it, you <laughs> Brexiters. Like Yeah. Um, again, don't know anything about that and not British and not like And don't, I wonder, you know. I haven't not done in any the reading, it, but I but, wonder
0: if that was part of why Inuchi made his decisions was as a as a response to Brexit.
1: I mean, probably to, to to a certain degree. We we don't I mean, know the I, guy, but yeah. I mean, you know, I know he
0: like he sought out Dev to play mm-hmm. David Copperfield. Like that was his first choice. He's
2: a perfect David Copperfield.
1: I also just don't no. think there's a better person to no. play David Copperfield for the things I talked about at the beginning of you know this section. It's just like like any actor, white, black, any color. Like no, like Dev yeah. Patel is the perfect person to play David yeah. Copperfield. And, so like he just also wants the best person and i do think he, he absolutely he got some of the best, the best people. person
2: for this it, there is no way that another person and i love a lot of british actors could have played david copperfield and made me care about him as much and like even when he's no yeah, there even is when he's yes. like falling in love yeah 100 falling in love with dora who is ridiculous. I still felt for him. I was just like, you're so sweet, not seeing that she's an idiot. But, you know, and she actually ended up being kind of sweet, too, even though she was like very hard to deal with. Um, But yeah, there's no other person I think that I would have cared more for in this role. Dev Patel
1: is the gold medal Olympic champion world Olympic champion of looking at something with love <laughs> in his eyes and making you love that thing or a person as well. Like, again, previous movies, look at his filmography. And you cannot tell me if you watch Slumdog Millionaire, like that, the whole like the whole like emotional epic arc like hinges on him just like <laughs> looking at this girl across this train station. And you being like, yes. All of that horrendous shit was worth it. Like he is the gold medalist of that. Okay, so you can't tell me different. We need like the. I want him <laughs> to look at me like that. Sorry, Raymond, but like I he I want him to. I'm also like very that. appreciative think, yeah. of the long
2: curly hair. Uh, we should do an yeah.
0: episode on like just British fiction because <laughs> I'm curious what draws people to like these stories about these rich-ass people living in their manners and, like, their servants. It,
1: it's not, you literally just, you literally just said it, and then add on top, it's not rocket science, add on top of that, the accent's <laughs> fucking sexy, Marvin. Like, that's really I, I a deep as deep as I think there's,
2: this, because America doesn't have that deeper history, um,
0: and we have, like, we have our own, there's a little bit we, of, we have our own age. history of, of trashy media about rich families, right?
1: Yeah, but they're, yeah, and, and American values are in direct yeah. opposition to everything you just talked about, right? Because we're very individualistic, bootstrapping, like you're your own man and it's not inherited from your family, even though that's definitely not true. And we could talk more about inherited wealth, but it is just, it's it's that plus the ideals of, um, I mean, honestly, it's like the Disney diet. We all grew up watching Disney mm-hmm. fairy tale movies yeah. and those are based in European culture. So there's, it's always going to be linked to like a level of fantastical yeah, and- aspiration. Like every girl yeah, wants no, to be a princess, never. um. But at the same mm.
2: time, I think there's also something about oh. the uptightness that we are very comfortable with because you know the all, most of Western society has like been built off of either Victorian slash Puritan, you know, ideals, and so it's not necessarily like we agree with it, but we are very comfortable with that idea, and so a lot of these movies books shows are kind of sort of fighting within that so that's why like some of them especially the romance novels they you know you a lot of it you're like oh my god this is so sexist but sometimes like if you look closer they're actually feminist because they're fighting against that whole idea like yes all these women want to be married like let's say and jane austen but at the same time there's that questioning of is that really you know what it's all that's left for me as this woman. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's for me, especially as, you know, an Asian who also grew up in the typical fashion of, re, you know, repressed feelings. A lot of the Jane Austen-ness of it makes sense to me. Cause it's like, yeah, you might like them, but you're just going to like act like you hate them because you can't, exp- <laughs> you can't deal with the emotions of this or, you know, uh, but that was part of it for me. But of course, a lot of it is because this is we are used to Western pop culture. Like where are all the th- like when we yeah. talk about like Asian period stuff, they're usually like what kung fu films? Um, and stuff like that. So the it's a different feel. And I and I would There's love
0: quite a lot of Asian historical dramas about court intrigue in Yes. like and those are the empire's court, Emperor's court
2: yeah and those are crazy i would love to see more you know I, I that's why i think i like the contemporary no contemporary i like the period dramas in set in asia but made more contemporarily because i think there's a little bit more even-handedness about the portrayals um, and less romanticizing perhaps um but yeah there's some like some crazy shit but yeah what i grew up on was definitely more british stuff of course um there was something about like the the backstabbing and court intrigue in asian stuff that like i don't like actually court intrigue that much <laughs> so i didn't watch the tutors i didn't watch whatever <laughs> like i like the more like remains of the day repression <laughs> type of stuff um and, and and uh and comedy of manners uh british mysteries that type of stuff
1: i just like the bubbling yeah. sexual tension of like regency because it's it's the mm. will they won't day which is always the best part so like you know with rom-coms american rom-coms usually there's like a point where they get together and can like be romantic mm. earlier in the film right for like either false pretenses or like some other reason but no like and then but like honestly once you get <laughs> the biscuit you know once once you win in whatever way possible like it just gets inherently less intriguing but the the British period drums draw <laughs> that thing out to the whole thing it's like well they won't they rules ah angst uh ah. and then it's like they finally do and you get like a handhold and it's like the most like satisfying sexually scene
2: of the last what the last year is still that Emma dance <laughs> like for me it's just like <laughs> whew. I, I I haven't rewatched, yeah. Oh, yeah. dance. Where they barely—they don't—they don't quite touch.
1: Yeah. Oh, people do not give enough credit. No, you do not. People do not give enough credit to dance scenes and how much work they can do in a visual like form and how much shorthand goes in when you can just have a really good dance scene. Like it is like, and if you have the good chemistry and like it's electric. I mean, we talk about two thousand five, like mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice with the Darcy Elizabeth dance scene. I'm like, ooh. I mean that's just like old Hollywood tricks yeah. though they've been doing that <laughs> since the very beginning. I, yeah.
0: I yeah. mean romance was actually pretty light in David Copperfield but um they did have that uh, kind of light will they won't they with um was it Agnes? Agnes, yes.
2: I mean you kind of figured what was happening there but um, <laughs> but yeah I mean Dickens, Dickens isn't super yeah. romantic there's always almost always a love interest but you know he's he's no Jane Austen.
1: It's usually overshadowed by bigger ideas of like responsibility, social responsibility, class. I mean, like even even like Tale of Two mm-hmm. Cities, which is like you know the the central motivation of one of the characters is his love for this woman, but like no, like I bet you no one even remembers no, like the- her name.
2: It's more about the general ideals of like goodness and like the choices you make. You know, he always deals in bigger and he, themes he, than just he doesn't love. really see things from like a woman's point of view, like ever. Even if the main character even if the main character is oh, no female, like no. named after the main character, it still doesn't. So, you know, like little Dorrit, you know, or anything that like that. <laughs> so Yeah. No. But now I'm very excited. I want to rewatch the two thousand five Pride and Prejudice. Um and yes, yes, yes it's on oh, I it I added Maybe to my queue.
0: This will finally be my first. On... Should my first Pride and Prejudice be the BBC version or the Q I, version?
2: I say the BBC version? How much? So here's time the thing: on Hulu have? is the BBC version that has uh uh what's it Colin Firth as Mark Darcy, and he of course if you watch it and then you watch Bridget Jones, that's really fun. Um, Bridget Jones Diary. And then, of course, you read those books and that's full circle there. Um, And I actually. Well, it's also
1: like, how deep are you into succession? Because if you're like a big succession fan, you may never be able to watch the 2005 Pride and Prejudice because Tom is Darcy. Um, But he
2: is also when you talk about him, he was also in Howard's End and he has a beard. He's very good in that. He was also in MI5. Um I've been following Matthew Mcfadden. I didn't realize a while. Tom
0: Wobskins was such a prolific and like
2: Oh yeah, I've been following his career for a while actor. now. I really very much like him. He's great.
0: Um Matthew Mcfadden.
2: Yeah. I like him a lot. And then I also think like that Pride and Prejudice came at a very impressionable <laughs> time in my life, so it's like it's, it's I was also forever, very you know? impressed by how it did it, because I've been a fan of the book for a while. And one of the things that I've always been keen on is the the climax, the profession of love, What even though they don't get together, happens almost exactly in the middle of the book. And so I was waiting in the movie just to see if it fit. And it did. Um, I do have to have a, a confession there was one Thanksgiving, the one Thanksgiving, one of my favorites that I ever did was I said no to every invitation I got. And I borrowed this back in the day of DVDs, borrowed my friend's BBC DVD set of Pride and Prejudice. And I got two Gelson's Thanksgiving dinners for myself and two bottles of wine. I didn't finish bottles of wine, but I just watched all of that through, had Thanksgiving to myself, and it was one of the best I've ever done. Um It's so great. That sounds amazing. That just might have to be my new plan this year. um, Yeah, I've I've been thinking about my Thanksgiving because I can't travel or at least I'm not going to. um, And I'm wondering if I should turn down invitations again and just do something completely, you know, as decadent as that.
0: Well, if there's any if there's any year to do that, that would be this year.
2: Um, Also, I've been reading a lot more books. We'll have to talk about the books I've been reading. Yeah. Jess at some point.
0: Yeah, I mean, so any any final thoughts as we wrap up our discussion of the personal history of David Copperfield?
2: When are we getting Gawain or Green Knight? I don't know. It's
0: it? um, I don't think it's been. I don't think a release date's been announced. It was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest in March, but it's been a delay.
1: So it's done, like yeah. it's done, and a finished version is, exists in the world. So that's
2: good we we'll yeah. get it eventually. David Topper Field made me very happy, and <laughs> um, I think we need more of that.
1: Yes, it's feel good without being too dumb. You know, sometimes you feel guilty about like watching really dumb shit, even though you shouldn't. I get it. So it's feel good. It's well made. It's it's beautifully acted by everyone across the board. And yeah, I would. We need more of this. Yeah. I want. More I of want this. more of this
0: too. I want more death patel and benedict wong playing like comedic roles because i think they knocked it out of the park i want more um just films that are just people having fun
1: here's my here's my pitch a buddy comedy but set in like sherlock victorian london where benedict wong and death patel are partners and benedict is like the grizzled mentor and death patel is the eager young lad (laughs) make it happen netflix
0: we need just like a super cast of all the British people of color. We need Idris Elba. We need
1: Naomi oh, you Harris. Know how I love
2: is uh, God. An- Antoinette. Wait, what's her name from Love Sick? Um, oh wait, okay. So we definitely need all the people from um, Queen's Gambit, but they're not people <laughs> of color. Uh- <laughs> um, but the but the person I'm thinking. We need of-
0: John Boyega. We need like Gemma Chan
2: i love what's her name um oh antonia T- thomas from um she's now on the good doctor but she was in Love Sick also and i love her oh she's british she's british
0: do you think we could have like an austin adaptation with like zero white people
2: oh easily. Easily. <laughs> oh easily easily oh they should i mean Make because also so. when you think about it like even in a dance, scene, especially in a dance, scene, but like she doesn't have a huge cast of characters, so um, I, I think it would be maybe more challenge challenging for let's say a Bridgerton. Um, but they do a really good job. Uh, I can't wait till you guys see that. Have you started reading those yet, Jess? I have not, but I will. It's um, I'll probably do it during <laughs> Thanksgiving break when
1: I'm holed up. And it will get really awkward because when you're reading like ra- saucy romance novels, and then your mom just walks I, in, and you're just like,
2: "Yeah, I do have to my say body. that they are not maybe quite as racy as Lisa Klepus's.
1: Oh no! Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, just warned, warned. I mean, Noted. there's still sex, but it's so, not. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just always so funny because I yeah, read I Lisa Kleypas. Like I pick up her paperbacks mm. when I travel. Like do inter- a lot of international traveling because like they're light, they're pretty. Like it's a plane ride for me, and I usually just leave the book somewhere. But it's like the most awkward thing to be like super uh, horny on an airplane. To be like super horny on like a hotel room when you're sharing it with your like family, and you're just like, well, this, this is, is weird. The airplane okay. is really tough
2: because that's when I read the Kiss quotient, and I was just like, holy fuck! I was like. <laughs> I also read the kiss potion on an airplane. I was like, "Yeah, this is very awkward." And I was like, "Okay, noted. I need to do more of the kissing books versus like hardcore like (laughs) sex books." Um, But yeah, so I was like, "I will not read Helen Huang on an airplane in the future." (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Uh, well, that went into an interesting direction.
0: (laughs) Well. Um, if you're, if any of our conversations make you interested in watching this brilliant film, uh, check it out. The personal history of David Copperfield is um, streaming now. And on that note, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Good Pop. Jess Han, thanks again for joining me to talk about the personal history of David Copperfield and all the good pop that gets us through our week. Um, if people want to follow me on social media, where can they go?
1: I am on
2: Twitter at just tweet, and I am
0: at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yu. You can find the show at Good Pop Club. And check out the rest of our episodes at Good Pop. Club. We're a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our lineup of Asian hosted podcasts by going to the website, podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time on Good Pop. Bye, everyone.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.